Waves build into a crescendo and break, only to begin again. Waves mark the rhythm of the planet in an endless give and take. Kind waves will take you home, others will wash you under and away. Waves are the sights of graves and rising tides, endless horizons and moon phases. Welcome to Waves, the second of three episodes exploring salt water. Let's wade together from the shoreline into the waves as we chat with artists whose art explores salt water in all its forms. Hello and welcome to Canvas, FBI Radio's podcast, Unframing Art and Ideas. We would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the lands and waters on which this episode has been researched and recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. First, we chat with artists Paula De Prado and Thomas Marinangeli, her six-year-old son, about their collaborations and recent exhibition Kalunga Under the Sea at First Draft in Sydney. This exhibition explored the concept of Kalunga, which is thought to mean threshold between two worlds in the Kikongo language. Let's kick it off with Thomas's eel song. The eel got sucked in, then it died at the bottom of the whirlpool, then it died again. Then it came back to life. Then everything else came back to life. Do, 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 la, 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 lilu. My name's Paula Do Prado. I'm a predominantly textile-based artist. And we're based here on um, Gadigal land in Sydney. Thomas and I have been making together since he was born. And we have had um, a couple of exhibitions together now. Our practices are very, very different. Mine is more tactile and fibre, cloth, and Thomas's uh, practice is predominantly painting um, and drawing. Well, my practice, as you heard, is painting, colouring and lots of other stuff. I like to challenge myself when I do sculptures to make temples, King Neptune, and lots of other ones that I am thinking of. It's been really amazing to work together because actually he's so adventurous mm. and just has no fear. And so we all kind of have a, you know natural fears, but for him it's really a world of exploration, something that's new and um, that he's discovering. Whereas for me, you know, I can't swim. I'm a bit really? terrified of the open ocean. Although I love to go to the beach and be near water, yeah. um, just and the I open sea. Swim. You can swim. You're learning to swim. Um, so it was just really interesting to have that dichotomy as well. In that, you know, for him, it's all really exciting and fascinating. Whereas for me, there's that trepidation. So, what's your favourite thing about the ocean? The coral has lots of colours and there's lots of types of fish and some uh, look nice and some look colourful and some are ferocious and some can bite your arm off. Oh my goodness! And Paula, you know, talking about how you have such great respect for the ocean but it terrifies you, do you think that your relationship to the ocean has changed like when you were making this work and when you were doing this exhibition or has it stayed the same? 
I think it was definitely part of uh, around this, you know, healing my relationship to, to water. And I think, you know, it's such a expansive topic. You've done work together before. Yes. Is it always about the ocean? No, not always. What else do you work together about? Lots of other things. Mostly elements of Earth. Kalunga Under the Sea, that was our last um, show at First Draft. And so the exhibition was really about the ocean. So mm. Kalunga is a um, Congo uh, word, so it's of um, Bantu Congo origin, which really means the ocean. Kalunga is really a broader concept in that it refers to when the world was created in kind of the Bantu Congo conception of, of cosmology. It was really about the immensity of the world. So Kalunga was really divided into two parts. The part above water, which was really everything earth and air and then the part that's underneath so that's kind of the underworld the water and so Kalunga is kind of this concept of a threshold between two worlds mm. um, and we first kind of came to that idea through the idea of um, the Kalunga line which is often referenced within the um, Middle Passage, so mm. when a lot of the Atlantic slave trade was going on and a lot of our people were lost at sea, the Kalunga line was really thought to be the, the point where they crossed over. I've heard some different people speak on, and re- I've read some texts about this as well, you know, like as people who are taken from Africa, there's this kind of like deep love that we have in us for the ocean, but also this huge fear. It's like a intergenerational trauma being taken across the ocean, being thrown overboard and and losing so many lives. And do you think that has something to do with your kind of fear of the ocean? I think it's probably definitely part of that that collective memory. But I also think a lot of it's to do with colonisation. I think our connection to many things, and, and particularly water, has been one of those things that's been sort of really eroded because, you know, there's this idea that we actually were really good swimmers. We actually were actually very connected to the ocean. I think a lot of it is also tied up in that and that silencing around, you know, our relationships, our our spiritual relationships, I think, to, to the ocean as well. And I think a lot of it has been focused on that side of the fear and and, and tied to to slavery. But if we go back further and if we keep going back, I am more and more interested in knowing how our ancestors who were well, what their relationship to the ocean was like. First we heard from Paula De Prado and Thomas Marinangeli, two visual artists and mother and son who have been working together to explore the ocean as a spiritual place and a space of crossing over. Through working together, they found themselves reflecting on the spiritual connection their ancestors had with the sea and how these intergenerational experiences and memories play out today. Watch out for Thomas, he is going to be the next big thing. Next, we heard an excerpt from Alexandra Spencer's audio work, The Sea, The Sea, which features the sounds of bowls of water, a hydrophone, a wind-up penguin, shells, a small glass bottle, tuning forks, field recordings, voice and a transducer on a biscuit tin. Alexandra is an artist and musician who reimagines the relationships between the listener, the object and the surrounding environment as a kind of communion or conversation. Let's hear from Alexandra discussing the work. 
I was reading The Sea, The Sea by Iris Murdoch. In an interview, Iris Murdoch was asked, why is there so much swimming in her novels? And her response was, well, there's a lot of water on the planet. I was thinking about connection with bodies of water and connections between bodies and water, reimagining our bodily limitations to examine the things that connect us to each other and to our surroundings. I've been interested in creating imaginary landscapes through sound, entwining separate sounds within each other to form a new shape. I'm interested in this melding. Through sound, unequal forms can be connected, such as breath with wave. But I think the work began with the smell of salt water, the salty, tangy smell of the seaweed in Vancouver's harbour. Smell is the sense most closely connected to memory. When I lived in Vancouver, I found myself drawn to the beaches. The ocean is of the sublime for me. Perhaps it's in the salt. Definitely it's in the movement. There's a sense of renewal, a different ocean each day. When I lived in Vancouver, I was comforted by the coastline as a way for me to connect the place I was in to the place I was from. We imagine the ocean is vast and infinite. Yet it's this imagining of an infinite ocean that has led to overfishing, floating plastic particle gyres, the underwater din of shipping and naval industries, and in response an international sense of unaccountability. Living on both the east and west edges of the Pacific Ocean, I developed a deep fascination with it. The Pacific Ocean is home not just to marine creatures and sea currents, but to the obscure movements of global trade offshore data barges and sunken satellites fallen from space. There's a spacecraft cemetery, the South Pacific Ocean Uninhabited Area, where spacecraft that have reached the end of their cycle are de-orbited and now lie dormant on the ocean bed. Sound travels faster through the water. Often when I place my hydrophone in a body of water, I hear one of two things. A hum some kind of industrial drone, or the sound of what I think is the crackling of shrimp moving their bodies through the water. This piece developed through various performances, pulling together threads of things I had been working on and thinking about, field recordings of cruise ships in Hobart, mixed with tape loop recordings of Vancouver's beaches that I'd buried in the sand for up to three months and collected again. The work begins with the sounds of shells and tuning forks, struck and submerged in an amplified bowl of water. It features bowls of water, a hydrophone, a wind-up penguin toy, shells, a marble, a small glass bottle, tuning forks, field recordings, my voice, no input mixer, cassette tapes, and a transducer on a biscuit tin. Within my practice, I've become quite fascinated by the vibrancy and resonance of everyday objects, 
I'm currently taking influence from the pairing of two texts, The Waves by Virginia Woolf and Vibrant Matter by Jane Bennett. Using these texts to explore the relationships between the vibrancy and agency of objects, sound and ecology, I'm interested in exploring our relationships to objects in the hope that we might consider them with more care. If we acknowledge the vibrancy and resonance of everyday objects, how might this change our actions and thinking around them? Sound, in its ephemerality and intangibility, allows us to reimagine and recreate our surroundings through listening. I like to imagine sound as a thread that carries through our bodies, our objects and our surroundings, connecting us, changing form, degrading, leaving traces. You've been listening to Canvas, unframing art and ideas through the episode Waves, the second in a three-part cycle of episodes unfolding within the theme of saltwater. You can listen back to the past episodes and subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and connect with us via our Instagram at canvas underscore FBI 94.5. Canvas is brought to you by myself, Aisha Ash, researchers Eleanor Zarowski and Jazz Money, Audio editor and producer, Kanika Kopalani, Digital coordinator, Isabella Sinassi, and executive producer, Anna Mae Kirk. The textural jingle bookending our episodes is by artist and musician, Jackie DeLacy. Thank you to all the artists that have contributed art and ideas to this episode, both in and outside of the podcast. We are releasing lots of supporting info around each episode, including resources, extended interviews and more, so head to fbiradio.com slash canvas to dive in. We now leave you with more from Alexandra Spencer's work, The Sea, The Sea.